Welcome to the Simple Church Podcast. We'd like to thank you for taking a few moments out of your day to listen to what God is doing here in Reynoldsburg, Ohio. We hope today's message will be encouraging and uplifting to you. To learn more about Simple Church, maybe you'd like to be our guest for a service, please visit our website at www.simplechurchohio.com. There you'll find more information about us, location, service times, and even online giving opportunities. And now, here's today's message. Loudest for our band whenever they come up, okay? Awesome. Well, let's jump into what we're talking about today. So as your pastor, I get the job of shepherding people. It's one of my things. And, uh, uh, and, and part of my job is to shepherd you in the different seasons that we walk through. And we're getting ready to enter into a new season. We're kind of coming out of a very, very busy season. For example, the, the last month in July, man, we, we've been all over the place. We served at the fireworks on July 3rd, and then on the 4th, we marched in the parade. And man, it takes a lot of people to do that. And then uh, a, a week later, we, a team took off for Honduras. And so we spent a week in Honduras serving some people. And Last Sunday, we came back and shared stories with you about that. And then yesterday, yes, last night, our dream team, so if you serve in any capacity here at the church, you're a member of what we call the dream team. You're the ones that make the dream happen, the vision that God has called us to do. So you're the ones that make that happen. We had a celebration for you last night, and so I ordered 30 pizzas and 10 of them chocolate chip cookie pizzas. You know what I'm talking about. It was good. And we went to the Pataskala pool and took it over for the last two hours of the day. It was just us there, and it was in celebration of you. And so we've come out of a really, really busy season, and I'm thankful for all God has done during that time. And we give him all the glory for all the work that he's doing, even in the celebrations time that we have. But we're coming into a new season. And this new season is something we do every August and January. It's something we call our 21 Days of Prayer. Now, we do this in January. We couple this 21 Days of Prayer with fasting. But in August, we do 21 Days of Prayer, and you can eat you know, as often as you'd like to. So in, so in January, we're fasting. In August, we're feasting. And someone said, bless the Lord, oh, my soul, out there. Just enjoy that. So we are coming into this 21 Days of Prayer. And the reason we do is for two reasons, all right? This 21 days starts today and goes through the 25th. The reason we do this is because we know two things. First of all, y'all have had crazy summers and you've gone, gone on trips and you've gone on vacation and you leave work behind, you take a vacation from work, and some of you take a vacation from God as well. And you don't intend to, it's just your normal rhythms of life that you found where you read your Bible and gone to church and you had that time set aside to pray every day. The kids are out of school and they're at home and life just got hectic and so all those rhythms got broke. And as a result, you're kind of struggling spiritually. You feel a little weak actually. And so this 21 days of prayer is put right here at the end of the summer to kind of give you a spiritual boost, all right? So that's one of the reasons that we have. The second reason is because we're also coming into a season where people return to church. September, October, and November are the times of year when people get settled down from their vacations. A lot of people move over the spring and summertime, and they come to a new community, and they don't do much. But some, somewhere around September and October, they decide, you know what, it's time for me to find a church. And so they start looking. And we have lots of lost people come to church in those months. In fact, more during September, October, and November than we do any other time of the year. Knowing that, knowing we're walking into that season, we want to make sure that we bathe that whole season in prayer. So that's the second reason we're doing these 21 days of prayer. You say, all right, Aaron, I hear you. I know why we're here. How do I participate? That's a great question. I'm going to need all of you here, right here in this building at 5 a.m. every day during this 21 days of prayer. 
I'm just kidding. She's already over there laughing at me. She knows it's not, it's not going to happen. Look, I'm not a morning person. I don't expect you to be either. We're not coming here to pray. What I'm asking you to do is find time every day in your schedule, wherever you're at, on your way to work, in the shower. Find time. Set it aside. Set aside some, some specific time for you to talk to God, whether that's five minutes, 10 minutes, or you want to spend an hour with God. That's up to you. But make a commitment during these 21 days of prayer to be a part of that, all right? Now, we'll help you do that. Every day we have what's called prayer focuses that my team got behind a camera, which most of them hated doing, but I made them do it because I love you enough to make them do it, and I want you to get to know them too. And so they got behind a camera, and they're, they're sharing daily prayer focuses, videos that will be posted up on Facebook that you can interact with. You can put prayer requests there and, and, under, and join us in our daily prayer focus. In addition to that, we also give you what's called a prayer guide. If you download the Simple Church app, for those of you that have never spent any time in prayer, don't know how to do it, or maybe you're a little lost when it comes to prayer, if you have the Simple Church app, on the front page, as you scroll right to the bottom, there it is, it says prayer guide. You can open that right up and it'll walk you through a time of prayer. Nobody's looking. You can do it by yourself. It'll be okay. Don't need to be embarrassed that you've never done it. Just get started somewhere, all right? And for those of you that are already reading your Bible and you say, Aaron, I would really love like a 21-day devotional to go along with this, guess what? We made one for you too. So if you use the Simple Church app, there's a 21 Days of Prayer Devo. For those of you that don't know what that means, I'm not talking about the crack that whip Devo. I'm not talking about them. I'm talking, it's a, <laughs> church people call it a devotional. It's good. We we're going to devote a certain amount of time a day to talking to God. And so it became this word devotional. But really what it is, it's, it's, it's a, a, a couple scriptures that, are, that you read every day that are encouraging to you, and there's a paragraph written about it that should help you understand how to apply it to your life, and there's a prayer that's attached to it. And so that'll be a great encouragement to you. You can download the app. You can do it now. It doesn't bother me. Go ahead. Find it. Simple, it's uh, Simple Church Ohio in your app, any of your app stores, Google Play or your iTunes store. It'll be there for you. Uh, but, but, but that'll be a great blessing to you and help you through, help you rejuvenate your spiritual life during this 21 days of prayer, all right? And so one of the things that, that I hope for you, and, and the reason we're actually doing this series at this time of year, is because as we focus on 21 days of prayer, I oftentimes get asked this question. I mean, it doesn't matter what time of year it is. People ask it. They say, Aaron, how do I know God is speaking to me? Like, does God still speak to us? Because, I mean, we know we have his word, you know, the Bible, but does God actually speak to us, and, and is he talking to me about this situation? Because I'd really like to know that, and everybody wants to know, how do we know? How do we hear? What does the Bible say? What is, what is God talking about right now? What is he saying to me? Because I think I hear him, but I'm not sure if it's God or the devil or if it's bad pizza. Like, I can't really decide what that is. That leading inside of me, is that God? And what does the Bible say about it? Well, I'll tell you, the Bible refers to God and describes him, and you even see it, God is a speaking God. He starts off the whole Bible, which, by the way, is God's story, that begins in Genesis chapter 1, verse 3, and it says, and God said. He's a speaking God. You'll see it all throughout the Bible where he speaks directly to his people. And then even the last book in the Bible, which is called Revelation, which speaks of things yet to come, stuff we haven't even experienced yet. They call it prophecy. And all that stuff is written there. You see God speaking to the church seven different times, at least right up to the end of the book of Revelation. And so God is a speaking God. 
Now, there's, there's all kinds of churches or denominations out there that'll tell you, well, God only spoke during that time, and now that we have God's word, he's not speaking to us anymore. But I would tell you that that is absolutely not true. God can and does speak, and he speaks often. So here's what I want to do. I want to give you a theme for our entire series, a verse theme for our entire series. And uh, it goes like this. It's John 10, verse 3 through 5. It says, the gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. So we've got a gatekeeper that's opened the door for the shepherd. The Bible tells us that Jesus is the shepherd. He's the good shepherd. And it says, and the sheep listen to his voice. Now, if you don't know much about sheep, you need to understand that sheep have this innate ability to key in and focus in on their shepherd's voice. They know his voice. That means in the middle of a crowd, they can hear their shepherd's voice. Anybody ever been to a farm and been around a bunch of sheep? They're doing nothing but going, bah, bah, bah. And some of them even scream, wow! I'm not kidding, right? They, they scream. <laughs> Y'all think I'm kidding. You just need to spend some time around some sheep. They bleat and make all kinds of noises. And when there's hundreds of them, that noise is deafening. It's loud. But even amongst all that noise, they can hear the shepherd's voice. They key into it. We, this is the way the Bible says we ought to be. Because Jesus is the shepherd and we're the sheep. Kind of like my kids. My kids are keyed into my voice. They know whenever I call them that they come. Especially if I first and middle name them. Buddy, they know they better come like right away. And I'm just a jerk. Sometimes I get them. They'll be upstairs playing, minding their own business. I'll come to the bottom of the stairs. Because at least I'll be like as grumpy as I can be. And you can hear them. They're running to get to the top of the stairs. Yeah, Dad? I love you. Just wanted to say hi. See what you're doing. <laughs> they're just like, are you kidding me? Like their heart is like pounding, you know? They, they hear my voice. They're keyed into it. And that's the way the sheep are keyed in. The verse continues and says, He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them. Because that's what God does, by the way. God never is going to call you to a place or lead you to a place and say, You need to go without going before you. Because that's what he does. He'll go before you. He'll prepare the way. He'll make sure that you can go that way. And he says, He'll go before them and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. And that's our desire for you. As your pastor, that's what I want for you. I want you to know God's voice. I want you to hear it, understand it, know where you need to go and move with him. I want you to hear it all day long because he, I believe he's speaking all day long. The verse continues and says, but they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they'll run away from him because they don't recognize a stranger's voice. So throughout this series, what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna help you be able to key into, clear out the clutter, and be able to identify God's voice in your life. And I'll tell you, I believe many of you need that today. Many of you are in serious situations that are critical for you, and you need to know, is God weighing in on this? Whether it's a relational situation, a financial situation, maybe it's something related to your career. I, I'm not sure what it is, but you're just like, man, I, is God talking to me about this? And the answer is a resounding yes. God has much to say about your life. He cares that much about the smallest details of your life. And I believe that he will speak to you or is speaking. You just need to position yourself to be able to hear it. And that's what I want for you. 
for especially during these 21 days of prayer, as you revive your spiritual life, I want you to be able to key in to God's voice and be able to hear it. And I hope that you'll ultimately learn to do what Proverbs 3, 6 says, that we listen for God's voice in everything that we do and everywhere we go. He's the one who keep you on track. Listen, you can talk to your parents, you can talk to your friends, you can talk to mentors and people that you trust in your life, but God is the only one who's completely and 100% invested in your life. He's the one that knows what's best for you. And so if you want real counsel, if you want the best counsel for your life, it's to talk to him about anything and everything that concerns your life, that you would look to hear God's voice. So as we jump into what we're talking about today, I want to do this. I want to start off this whole series with a bold statement that Jesus made. It comes from Luke 8, 8, and he says this, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. And when you read a verse like that, you begin to understand, or maybe you can kind of extrapolate and get that God doesn't have a speaking problem. We have a listening problem. He says, whoever has ears to hear, let, let them hear. Because God is constantly speaking. We need to learn to hear God's voice and cut through some of the noise in order to be able to do that, to tune in to what he's saying, because he's speaking way more than we give him credit for. And this particular verse, so Jesus is saying this, comes from a parable that he told. Now, a parable is just a story. It's a made-up story Jesus told that contains some truth in it that helped people understand God's ways. And so Jesus tells this parable and, and I think as we look at it today, I think that it contains all the truth that we need to understand how we're supposed to hear God's voice, all right? So let's go back to the beginning. That was Luke 8.8, 8, but let's jump back to verse 5. And he tells this parable. He says, a farmer went out to sow his seed, and as he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path. It was trampled on, and the birds ate it up. Some fell on rocky ground, and when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. Other seed fell among the thorns. Other translations say weeds here, okay? Which grew up with it and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil, and it came up and yielded a crop a hundred times more than was sown. And when he said this, he called out, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. So now you can see the context in which Jesus is saying it, all right? He's given this story, and, and you need to understand again, it's not that God isn't speaking it's just that his word isn't landing in the right place. Because see, as a farmer, this is a story about a farmer and about where the seed lands and whether it lands in the right place. Like, I, I mean, if I had a handful of seed and I threw it on the stage, it's not gonna grow there. Why? It, it's the wrong place. It, it, it's, it's just the wrong place. It needs good soil in order for the seeds to grow. Now, the beautiful thing in this parable is that Jesus goes on to explain it. What, what exactly it means. Because he didn't do that very often. A lot of times, Jesus just full on gave a mic drop and said, here's the story. Good luck figuring that out. But in this case, Jesus actually tells us exactly what it means. He gives us the interpretation. In, in verse 11, he says, this is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. That's what Jesus says. And you're like, all right, I think I know what that is. For those of you that grew up in church, the word of God is the Bible. You're like, that's what that is. But you need to understand that that's not what Jesus would have been talking about. Because in Jesus' time, they didn't have a Bible. The Bible was being lived out right then and there. It would be written about later. The stories would be written about. So what is Jesus saying? He's not saying, hey, you need to read God's word. He's saying God's voice. 
The seed is God's voice. God is speaking to you. And God's spoken lots of ways to his people all throughout. See, that is what the, that, that's what that is. And so it isn't, again, that God has a speaking problem. It's that we have a hearing problem. That, that's on us. And as we go through this, this parable, Jesus' explanation, he describes four different scenarios. And I think you all are in one or the other at some point in time. And you'll find yourself there. And so let's look at the very first one. He says in verse 12, those along the path are the ones who hear, and then the devil comes. Remember the seed that fell on the path? It says it got trampled and that the birds came and plucked it up and took it away. He said that's the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. He's saying every time that God tries to speak to your heart and speak to your life, God, by the way, God's speaking to you right now. He says, every time God tries to speak to you, the devil comes along to try to take it away. What he's describing is the condition we call the polluted heart. We all have polluted hearts. Look, and I'm not sitting up here waving my finger and saying, you got issues and you got issues. I'm telling you, I've got issues too. We, We all have issues in our hearts. We all have junk that we deal with on a regular basis. But the enemy does that to intentionally pollute your heart so that you can't hear what God is saying. And you need to know that, that his schemes, his tricks, the way he goes about doing that, there's two ways that we get polluted in our hearts. The first is we did it to ourselves. Like, we're just being honest. We did it to ourselves. The Bible calls, or uses a word called sin. It essentially means missing the mark, or at least God has his best in mind for you, and when you live contrary to his best, or you miss the mark, it's sin. And when we sin, pollution enters into our life. Now, we can sin unintentionally. A lot of us, man, we, we go through emotion, different emotional states. We go through disappointments. We go through different circumstances. And some of us get caught up in those things. And so our attitude shifts, our words shift, and, and we just we slip up and we sin. But there's others of you, you're, you're living a willful life of sin. You know God's best for you. He, you, you, you know what the Bible says and how you ought to be living, and yet you choose to live in willful disobedience to it. And so your heart is polluted. But just know that there's plenty of us that are walking around here that, that have had that issue in our lives, and we're living lives that we're forgiven for the things that we've done. But not everybody's that way because not everybody have, has confessed their sins to God and asked him to forgive them. So there's some of you in here that are carrying the guilt and the shame of your sin. The other way that our hearts get polluted is that someone else did it to us. And you know these situations. Oftentimes the, the pollution that you have in your heart is from somebody that's really close to you. It's a friend or it's a family member. It's somebody that the enemy uses just to stir up your relationships. I don't know about you, but I, 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 I'm telling you, I get into a place where I get, I don't know, like offended real easy, I'm not sure. Because I love deeply, and, and when somebody says something about, how can they say that about me? I can't believe they would say that about me. I can't believe they would do that. I can't believe they'd leave our church. Why are they? Like, I get all really, like, hurt and offended, like, really easy. Don't judge me. This is just who I am. I'm bearing my soul for you. I'm telling you. This is where I get. And instead of, instead of, like, seeking them out and doing what Jesus said, which is, like, you know, forgiving them and making the relationship right, calling them to find out, like, it's probably not what I think. Do you know what I spend my time doing? I spend my time practicing telling them off. 
I'm driving in my car. I can you believe what I'm doing? When I see them, I'm going to say this. Oh, and they're going to say that. Well, I'm just going to tell them because I'm going to get them right. If you're driving, please keep your hands at 10 and 2. Don't do the snappy thing. But it's true. We all want to just give them a piece of our minds. When those relationships get stirred up, but let me tell you something, the enemy gets me every single time. Instead of just being in a place of forgiveness or trying to seek understanding, I get all worked up and I lose focus on what I'm supposed to do. And you know what I do? I waste my time. I waste my time being distracted by the pollution that's been brought on to me by my relationships. The best thing to do is just live a life of forgiveness Live a life where you're willing to call them up and find out what's going on. You'll, oftentimes you'll find out, especially with close relationships, whatever you heard or whatever was said to you was totally out of context. And you can have peace again. That's what we have to do. Check it out. This is what it says in James 1.21. It says, get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives and humbly accept the message God has planted in your hearts for it's strong enough to save your soul. What is this? It's a call to Repentance. Now, people get upset about that word, especially if you grew up in church, because the way you hear that is the word, repent, or you're going to hell. But that's not what I'm saying to you today. You know that repentance, the Bible says that it's the goodness of God that leads us to repent. Repentance is a hope-filled word, because when we repent, which literally means to turn around and go another way, it means to turn from the way you've been doing it Turn towards the way God wants you to do it and start doing it that way. When you do that, God steps on the scene and gives you a do-over. He gives you forgiveness. He blesses you. He gives new life to, your, to, your, to who you are. In fact, I'm gonna tell you this. You can't begin a new life until you turn from the old. Now, however that is speaking to you today, just let it and then deal with it. The second kind of heart that, it, that Jesus describes is in verse 13. He says, the rocky soil represents those who hear the message with joy. But like young plants in such soil, their roots don't go very deep. They believe for a while, but they wilt when the hot winds of testing blow. The reason they wilt is because something competed with it. It's like, you know, you all sit in here and you hear like the greatest message ever, which is like every Sunday for you guys, right? And you walk... And you walk out of here, and you get in your cars, and what happens? Life just picks right back up where you left it when you walked in these doors. Your kids, your financial situation, your living situation, all of it just picked right back up. And you got distracted away from the commitment, the thing that you were like, woohoo, Jesus, I'm going to do that. I'm going to live for you this way, whatever. Insert the blank right there. Like, I, I decided this today, and then you get to your car, and it's all gone. It got snatched away. That's what we call the distracted heart. Now, understand that distractions in your life, not all of them are bad things. Some of them are very, very good things. But you're just competing. You're competing with what God is leading you to do, how God is speaking to you, and the good things that are in your life that you either need to get your arms around or maybe delegate some of that stuff to or maybe even cut it out of your life. I'm not sure. It's like being in a restaurant. You ever been in a really busy restaurant where there's lots of people and it's really noisy and you're trying to have a conversation with somebody right in front of you, but it's, it's really loud. And so what do you have to do? You lean in, you turn your ear to the side a little bit, you ask them to repeat themselves. I mean, it's, it's a little frustrating, but you gotta work at it in order to hear through all the noise. 
And that's what happens to us. We just get distracted. Maybe God's called you to repentance in an area of your life. Maybe he said, you know what, instead of stopping doing something, maybe you need to start doing something. But then you get distracted. It happens to all of us. It especially happens to me. I don't know if I'm ADD or not. I was way, when I was growing up as a kid, they didn't have them letters yet. You know what I'm saying? Like they didn't hand, hand that out to, to people as a diagnosis. But I may be, I'm not sure. But I'm easily distracted, especially since smartphones came out. Man, I have loved my iPhone since the very first one came out and I continue to love it. The problem is it distracts me from so many important things in my life. It's a good thing, but I'm spending a lot of time doing things that aren't necessarily bad, they're just kind of a waste of time. It's detracting from my life, especially because I, I do my Bible reading on my app. So we got, the, we, got, we got the Simple Church app, right? And I pull that up every day. And there's a guide on there. It's a read through the Bible in a year plan. And I pull that sucker up every day, and I read my Bible right there. It's super convenient. I don't have to go looking for my Bible. Or be, I can be anywhere and read my Bible. <laughs> but the problem is, these smartphones have these, these little red dots called notifications. Like, you know, all your little apps, your little text message app and your Facebook app and, and your email app and, and your Chipotle app. <laughs> I mean, they may have a deal, a deal on guac that day. You never know, but there's a notification. And now they used to just have little, little, little colors, but now... Dear God, they've put numbers on them. And you know how many notifications you have right in the middle of the little red bubble. And while I'm trying to read my Bible, I'm struggling to know what the little red bubble says. What is it? Who wants me? Did somebody say something nice about me on Facebook? Is it my kids? Are they in trouble? Do they need help? What happened, Lassie? Did somebody fall down the well? That's not even in my notes. That was just for free for you and fun. Seriously, though, like you just, I just got to know. And so going to my phone to read my Bible every day is I get distracted. And I'll wind up spending an hour the time that I had intended to spend with God and scrolling through Facebook or looking at what somebody said online. And, and I know you're there, too. We're just distracted, man. And that, that's not where I want to be. So if, if you're here and you're listening to what I'm saying and that kind of stings a little bit and you're like, yeah, that's me too, I'm going to recommend that you try what I'm doing. And make a policy in your life that says before you go digital, you spend time with Jesus, all right? Now let me tell you what that looks like. There's this thing that I'm doing. It's like going to blow your mind. How simple it is and how available it is, uh, like the ease of use, like, all the, like it ticks all the right boxes for the end user. You're going to love this. It's called a paper Bible. It's printed on paper. And it's like you can swipe right on it all day long. You just like this. And the words are just like on the page. No downloading. There's no delay or anything. It's just there. <laughs> so, so you can try that. Just, the point is, is that all hell is trying to stop you from connecting with God. And if you've got a plan, he's going to do whatever he can to distract you from that plan so that you're not able to do it. And if you need to figure out to remove some clutter in your life, to remove some distractions so that you can do it, then, then you need to do it. There's a story in the Bible that is told of, of two women. 
And uh, both of them were in the same house as Jesus. But both of them had very different experiences. One of them had ears to hear. And the other just got distracted. Not by bad things, by good things. Here's, here's the, the quick verse. It's from Luke 10. It says, and she had a sister named Mary who seated herself at the Lord's feet and was listening to his teaching. But Martha, overly occupied and too busy, was distracted with much serving. She wouldn't do anything bad. She was just letting the good things in her life distract her from hearing Jesus, which was the most important thing she needed to do. So I'm going to say this. To hear God's voice, you got to learn to turn down the world's volume. So we've got the polluted heart, and we've got the distracted heart. The third heart, Jesus describes in verse 14, he says, the seed that fell among the weeds. Now, here's the thing about weeds. You know, you don't have to plant weeds. You don't have to do anything to grow weeds. They just grow on their own. So when you roll up on a house and it's covered in weeds, what does that tell you? It means that that property or that area is probably neglected that the person who owns the land has just given up. They're not going to pour any time. They're not going to pour any energy into it. Weeds always represent neglect. And so it says the, the seed that fell among the weeds or the neglect stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures. And this is where I want to focus. And they don't mature. The third heart is the immature heart. It's the heart that says, well, I'm saved, but I don't really want to go any deeper in my relationship with Jesus. I don't really want to read my Bible. I'll go to church on Sunday, and maybe I'll serve on a team, but I don't really want to do too much. I don't want to take steps of faith, and I don't, I don't, I don't know if I want to do certain things. I'm just, I'm just good where I am. You know, my wife Shanda and I, we have mature conversations. We have lots of immature conversations, too, because that's just us, but we have mature conversations. We talk about important things, crucial things. We talk about our finances. We talk about our kids. We talk about you guys. We talk about you often, and not like in a bad way where we're talking behind your back. We just love you so much. You're part of our regular conversations. And I would say my wife and I have sophisticated conversations, but I got a little buddy that I love to hang out with, and his name is Gabe. Take a look. This is Gabe right here. And Gabe, Gabe, I get to hang out with him, and I love being with Gabe. Now, I'm not sure Gabe likes me as much as he likes my daughter, Kiki. You know, he's constantly saying, Kiki, do you love me? And I'm like, dude, don't do that challenge. We don't need to. We're good. <laughs> I, just, I just stepped, I just talked to some of the young people, all the old people. Look up Kiki Challenge and you'll understand what I'm talking about. Um, but Gabe hangs out with me and we have a lot of fun. We play games, we dance, we sing. I like to go and hide from Gabe and Gabe will track me around the house and I jump out and scare him. It's just good times. The other day, Gabe was over at my house. He sleeps on me, too, because I'm like a pillow. In Honduras, they described me like a king-sized bed for babies. I thought that was rude. <laughs> hey, you're laughing at my life. That's what you're doing right now. Hope you feel good about that. <laughs> but Gabe was hanging out the other day, and I bought Play-Doh. Because I, I remember being a kid and just loving Play-Doh, right? Like, I, I thought this was the best. How many of you guys played with Play-Doh as a kid? All right, so all of you had awesome childhoods. That's what I'm talking about. And Gabe, Gabe doesn't want anything to do with Play-Doh. I was like, dude, hey, let's play with Play-Doh. I'm sitting on the floor. We've turned off the TV. Like, all the focus is right here. And I bring out the Play-Doh, and I squish it, and I roll it around, and I tear it. And I show Gabe he can do this, and I put it in his hands, and I squish it in his hands, and I roll it in his hands. 
And this is just him. Gabe, wasn't, he wasn't having anything to do with it. And he, and he looks me in the eyes, and he's got this Play-Doh in his hand, and he full-on gives me this gangster, rips off a piece, drops it on the ground. Rips off a piece, drops it on the ground. Just look at me dead in the eyes, not breaking eye contact. <laughs> this is what I think of your joy and your childhood. It's on the ground. Then I had to quickly clean it up before my dog did for me. So, but, but listen, I, I hang out with Gabe, and I love being with Gabe. But Gabe and I don't have sophisticated conversations. Most of our conversations go like this. As I point at things, and he does it back to me. He can say bye, which I think is really cute, and it's my text tone. So if you call me and you hear bye, that's Gabe. But we don't, we don't have much, much by way of sophisticated conversation. It's not because I can't. It's because... Because Gabe's immature. He needs to grow up before he can have a sophisticated conversation. And many of you, that's the situation for you. You just need to grow up spiritually before you can handle all God's got to say to you. You need to take steps towards maturity so that you can receive what he's got to say. I think it's important that you understand what Hebrews 12.1 tells us, that since we are surrounded by so many examples of faith, we must get rid of everything that slows us down especially sin that distracts us. We must run the race that lies ahead of us and never give up. We must focus on Jesus. The point of our lives is to be focused on him, to be following him, to to pursuing him. That means you're gonna take steps outside of your comfort zone. That means you're gonna say yes to stuff you never thought you would say yes to. You can ask my wife. I asked her the other day, sitting on the couch, I said, do you ever think I was gonna be a pastor? And she said, nope, I didn't either. You gotta take steps towards Jesus. Towards, towards things, and that's what you do. When you do that, when you take steps of obedience, you take steps of maturity. So well, let me ask you, when's the last time you did something you've never done before so that you can have something you've never had? I think oftentimes people are more in love with their excuses than they are with Jesus. And if that hurts a little bit, maybe it's time to start taking some steps. Maybe it's time to let go of those excuses and just start taking steps towards Jesus. Around here, we make it easy for you. We make it very obvious. We want you to see your steps. In fact, we call things steps. Here's your next step. At the end of every service, we go, here's your next step. Here's how you do it. You can take a step. You can come, to, come join us for prayer nights. You say, well, I've never spent any time in prayer before. I don't know how to do it. An hour sure seems like a long time. Who's going to watch my kids? I'm just not sure. You can hold on to your excuses or you can just come. And we'll teach you how to do it. It's an hour of guided prayer. It's simple. Some of you are like, well, I don't know about this 21 days where I'm supposed to pray and read my Bible. I've never really read my Bible and I don't really understand it. Well, you can hold on to that excuse or you can just start reading it. You can find a translation that makes sense to you. You can talk to us, what, what Bible do you read? What version do you read? Because there's lots of translations out there because it's written in Greek and Hebrew, right? So, well, I, I'm, you know, you should go to Growth Track. Find out what God's got for you in your life. There's four simple steps to understanding his plan and purpose for you. You can understand who God is. You can understand who we are as a church. You can discover your purpose because let me tell you, there's two greatest days in your life are the day you were born and the day you find out why you were born. And we help you with that in Growth Track. And then we help you get connected to a team that'll help you use that gift that God has given you and the reason he's got you on this earth to make a difference in other people's lives. 
She's like, well, I'm not sure. I don't really know anybody in growth track and never done anything like that before. Fine, hold on to your excuses. Or just go. Just, just go. Others of you, a simple step would be jumping into a grow group. I'm here to tell you that in four weeks, grow groups launch. I'm super excited about them. September 2nd through December 1st is our fall semester of grow groups. You can get into one. You say, well, I've never gone. I don't really do well with people. I've got some church hurt, and I'm not really sure. I've been offended before, and I don't know. People, people are stupid. I don't want to hang out with them. And like These are real conversations I have with people. How many you just need to, you can hold on to your excuses or you can take steps of obedience, get into a group. Because let me tell you something, that verse, throw that verse back up there on the screen for me again. Look at this verse. It says, I want you to see all the we's and the us's here. It says, since we are surrounded by so many examples of faith, we must get rid of everything that slows us down, especially sin that distracts us. We must run the race that lies ahead of us and never give up. We must focus on Jesus. You can't we and us by yourself. You, you, you just can't. You need people. God designed this whole thing for it to be done in community with groups of people. That's why we have our grow groups. Because when you step into a grow group, as uncomfortable as you might be initially, you get involved with some people where you can do what we call take off the mask. You get to be real. You get to say, this is what I'm struggling with. This is my thoughts on this. Is this right? Is this what the Bible says? Help me understand how I'm supposed to live this out. And as you spend time in those grow groups, what you learn is freedom from your past, and you learn how to follow Jesus better, but only when you do it in the we and the us together. That's why you need a grow group. Some of you need to take a step. You need to jump into a group. Others of you, you've been in groups before. Your next step towards maturity is leading a group. Say, oh, that terrifies me. I'm not sure I got all the answers. Nobody has all the answers. You can hold on to that excuse if you want to, or you can just make a decision to do it. Lead a group. Open your home. Say, I've never done this before, and I'm a little scared. That's okay. We were all in that place. Some of us are still there, and we're still leading a group. You understand I got more people that want to get into a group than I have groups available. That's a good problem to have. But you understand I need you to listen to Jesus and take a step of faith and open up a group. If you've never done that before and are interested, we have Grow Group Leader Training next Sunday morning. It's during first service. Tim, right here. Stand up, Tim. Let everybody see you, Tim. This is Tim. Tim's our, Tim's our connect, thanks, Tim. Tim's our connect pastor, and he's over all of the groups, and Tim would love to get you connected to a group, to lead a group, start a group, all group things, talk to Tim. That's Tim. Or you can mark your connection card. Like, hey, I'd like to get more information. Or just show up for training next Sunday. First service in the conference room. We're ready for you. Take a step towards maturity and obedience as God is leading. If you're sitting there saying you're waiting on a sign, this is it. God's speaking to you through the six-foot-one frame of a man that's standing in front of you. Here's your sign. Lead a group. Get involved. Here's the thing, the reason why is because maturity comes when we stop making excuses and start making changes. That's the only way you get it. It doesn't happen until you start making changes. You gotta make a decision. Jump in, join us for prayer nights, join us for the 21 days of prayer, read your Bible, 
Go to growth track. Join a grow group. Lead a group. Some of you just need to get a church, a church home. You don't have one right now. It doesn't have to be this one. Just get one. Others of you need to just even begin a relationship with Jesus. And the good news is, I'll help you do that at the end of the service today. Cool? The fourth kind of heart that Jesus describes. So we've got polluted, we've got distracted, and the bob, wob, wob, oh, aren't you so cute? Immature heart. The last one Jesus describes in verse 15 is, but the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart. Who, the, who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering produce a crop. He's talking about what's called the prepared heart. This is a heart that's ready. It's prepared. If you want to clearly hear God's voice in your life, then you need to prepare your heart. You say, well, how do I do that? That's a great question. The first, there's, there's three simple things that you need to do, and I've already talked about them a little bit here. The first thing you need to do in order to have a prepared heart is to repent. And again, it's not this evil, heavy word. It's this hope-filled word that just means turn around. When God puts his hand on something in your life, or even if you're reading through his word and you learn that you're living contrary to God's best for your life, then you just turn around. You say, Aaron, it's not that simple. Yes, it is. I know that the turning around may be a little complicated. I understand that relationships and routines are attached to some of those things. I understand that community is attached to some of those things. The enemy's done it that way intentional to make it difficult for you to be able to turn away from some of it. But you can do it. Some of you need to change your phone number. Others of you need to get rid of your smartphone altogether and go back to a flip phone. You know one of those ones that the only game on it is the game Snake? Texting will be difficult, but you might find freedom. Look, I'm just telling you, you can make decisions. You can make choices. You can make changes in your life. You can repent. And here's the thing. When you repent and you ask God for forgiveness, God gives you a do-over. He's the only God that does that, by the way. He'll give you a second chance. His grace is new every morning. His mercies are new every morning. Second thing you need to do is refocus. Once you decide what it is that you want, once you've identified it, you need to work backwards and go, all right, how do I get it? Because there's bound to be some things in your life that you need to change or shift. Some of you are like, well, I want to start reading my Bible. That means I need to get up a little earlier in the morning. That means I need to go to bed a little later at night. Others of you, you're like, man, you know what I need to do? I just need to turn off the TV. I need to turn off the TV until I've read my Bible and prayed, and then I can turn on the TV and watch my shows. It's about priority. Whatever that is for you, sort it out. Make a decision. Refocus. And the last thing you need to do is to revive. You need to revive. Ask God to bring revival into your heart. And you're like, man, is revival one of those big things where they got the big tents outside and it lasts for a week or a month or something like that? No. Revival is something that happens inside. David prayed a prayer after he had sinned against God. And he asked him to Restore his first love. What is your first love? It's that first feeling you had when you learned how much God loved you. When you learned what he did to demonstrate his love for you. When you discovered that God didn't shout I love you from the heavens, but he sent his son and showed you that he loved you. When you first learned that and you decided that the only reasonable and rational response to the overwhelming reckless love of God was to surrender your entire life to him, is that moment, it's that passion, 
And David was praying, restore that moment, restore that passion, restore that love that I once had. Because obviously I've drifted far from you if I'm in sin. She says, restore that. Pray that God revive that love in you once again. And as you do, I love what this verse says. 2 Corinthians 7, 1 says, let's make a clean break with everything that defiles or distracts us, both within and without. Let's make our entire lives fit in holy temples for the word of God. You say, why clear out all the sin that pollutes us? Why remove the distractions in our lives? Why take steps towards spiritual maturity? Because God's voice is clearest in a prepared environment. That's where you hear him clearly. And I promise you, if you take these steps, if you start moving towards him, the Bible describes God as a God that if you take a step towards him, that he takes a step towards you. And let me tell you something, you better be thankful that God's steps are much bigger than yours. Because if you just take one tiny step towards him, he'll take a bounding step towards you. That's who our God is. And he's ready to meet you. He's ready for you to hear his voice. So let's pray. God, today we just confess from every heart in this room that we want to hear you today. We want to hear your voice. We want to know what you're saying. We want to know how you're weighing in on our calendar and our, the things that we choose to do with our times, the things that we choose to do with our life and our resources. God, we want to hear your voice. Because God, we know that if we hear your voice, then when we walk through life and things are uncertain, when circumstances are unfavorable, if we heard your voice on things, then we'd have confidence and hope and even joy in our trials because we know that you've spoken about it. We know that you've weighed in already. So God, today, help us hear your voice. Help us, help us just to clear out the the pollution of the sin in our lives. Forgive us, God. Convict us. Show us that, that area of sin in our lives. When we respond, Lord, give us new life. And Lord, though, for those of us that are distracted, God, as we remove those distractions, meet us in that place. Help us understand what they are. Help us see the things that are distracting us. Give us clarity. And then, Lord, for, the, for those of us, Lord, that are immature, there's steps to be taken. There's faith that we need, and so God, give us faith. Let it rise up in our hearts. Help us to take that next step towards spiritual maturity. And Lord, as we do so, prepare our hearts. Help us repent. Help us refocus. And Lord, bring revival to our hearts. Bring revival to our relationship. Rekindle that first love again. Lord, we ask you to do it. Now in this moment, this is an important moment, we continue to pray, and for those of you that are here in this room, your next step, the most important step that begins this whole journey is taking a step towards Jesus in relationship. You say, well, how do I do that? Well, the same way everybody starts a relationship, through conversation, you gotta talk to them. If you say, well, I don't know what the words are, well, I'll give you the words. In fact, I'll lead you on this prayer in just a moment. But the thing is, is that you don't get to talk to Jesus on your terms. You, when you begin a relationship with him, you, you begin it on his terms. And his terms are that you just received the free gift of salvation that he's given you. The free gift of forgiveness. See, Jesus died for your sins and mine. 
He doesn't care what you've done or where you've been or what you did last night. He's aware of all those things. He's not mad at you. He's not angry with you. He just wants to be in a relationship with you. And he wants you to know and experience his love. And today you can do that. You just need to receive the free gift. The way you do that is you pray this prayer that I'm getting ready to pray. And if that's you and you're ready to begin a relationship with Jesus, would you take this moment right now and identify yourself? You don't need to stand up. You don't need to come to the front. But if you're going to pray that prayer with me today, would you just slip your hand up right now and do that now? Whether you're praying it for the first time or you're praying it to renew and to seek revival in your heart and your life, do that now. Come on, there's more. I know there's, that's awesome. Thank you. Thank you. I see your hands. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Listen, church, there's people praying this prayer today. And for those of you that are praying it today, you just need to mean it with all your heart as you repeat after me. But everybody, let's pray together. Nobody prays by themselves. Say, Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. And I ask you to meet me here right now. Forgive me of my sins. I give you my life. Now you give me yours. Show me how to live for you. And I'll spend every day doing that. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.